Hey, what's up, guys? My name is Estella Coughlin, and you are listening to The Nest Podcast. To give a backstory, I was born in China and grew up in North Dakota. I have a huge love for podcasting, and I decided to take my three favorite things, mental health, self-improvement, and adoption, and create what you are now listening to. Let's get into it. Hello, welcome back to the Nest Podcast. So first off, I really appreciate you guys tuning in for the second official episode. And I also want to thank you for listening to the first one. I'm guessing you have. If you haven't, it's still up and it will still be up. So go listen to it like right now. Um, But I just wanted to say like a big thank you for the feedback and the the reactions I've been getting from from since releasing the podcast as a whole. It it was crazy to think that I had this idea and I was able to make it a reality. And even though as scary as it is to put yourself out essentially on the internet to kind of talk about stigmatized topics and being open about it and like I said I'm putting like myself on the internet and like this is like who I am so it's like me kind of branding myself and so even though it's scary I think I'm doing this out of really wanting to get this message out and to educate and to help people if they're struggling you know whether that be with any of the topics I cover so I really appreciate the feedback and what people have been saying about the podcast because, like I said, it's scary for people to put themselves out there. And so I want to thank everybody for being very kind and for being supportive of my idea and supportive of the message and the purpose that I'm trying to achieve with having a podcast because it really it really does mean a lot to me. With that being said, just wanted to say that first before I kind of got into the episode more. So yeah, now enough of that. Now, let's talk about the time that I am recording this. It is a Friday night. Yes, I am home on a Friday. Catch me watching Netflix. Anyway, but this is the Friday before prom. So this is my senior prom, and tomorrow, the prom's on a Saturday, And tomorrow, it's supposed to be cold and raining. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of not about the whole prom weather being nasty and gross and gray out. Because if we're wearing our nice outfits and our dress, you know, we have prepared for this. We've got our makeup done. I do not want to be going outside and having the weather be raining and wash off my makeup or I do not want to be having mud for instance get on my dress so I kind of hope you see where I'm kind of coming from here you know I just I just think the weather needs to hold off and that is that's a no-go for me but alas it will still probably rain and be muddy and disgusting but we will make the best of it because we are I don't even know if you can even move prom I feel like this is something that's already been set in stone, so it's, like, gonna happen. So there will probably not be a reschedule of prom, and that's okay because we've already planned for this moment, so it better happen whether or not and the weather better cooperate. If not, I guess, joke's on us because we will be going to prom in in whatever weather Mother Nature decides to give us. So now apart from that... Let's talk about the best part, the details, the prom plans, all that. So, first off, nails. I got my nails done yesterday, and I was I got a manicure and a pedicure. And guess what? It only took me three hours to get a manicure and a pedicure. And that is a very, very long time. I mean, I guess nails take like an hour, like a pedicure. I just got like the cheapest pedicure because I was already waiting there for a very long time. So it should have taken like a half hour, you know, maybe like maybe 40, 45 minutes. So in total, 
I mean, in total, that's like hour and a half, maybe cutting it up to close to two hours, but definitely not two hours. Well, I was there for three hours, but I went with some friends and it was fun. So it was a good time. And these people at the nail place do a really good job with the nails and everything. Like, I loved how everything turned out. But the fact was, it took a long time. But it's okay, because it's good that this place is getting business. And I know prom season is extremely busy for all kind of beauty places, I guess you'd call. But they did give me a $5 discount for my next purchase. Let's go. I bet nobody else got that $5 discount, but I did because I was there for three hours. I was there for three hours. I kid you not. So that's besides the point. My nails look good, and my pedicure also looks good, so we will not complain. So for my nails, I did the almond-shaped, almond-shaped acrylics. Usually I do uh, the acrylics with like that coffin shape, but this time I did the almond. Well, because at first, when I first started to go and do acrylic nails, I wanted to get like the almond shape before because I thought they were like super cute. And I saw like a design on Pinterest that I really liked. And so when I go in there, I'm like showing the person the picture and I'm like, oh, yeah, I was like hoping I could kind of get this style. And so pretty much the bottom line was like, Oh, those don't really fit your hands. So I'm like, okay, well, I guess you can pick for me and let me know what does fit my hands. So I got the coffin shape. And let me tell you, those were good. I mean, I I really had nothing to compare it on. So it was a blank slate for me. So I was like, these are great. Cool. But now I got the almond. Like, I think they do fit my hands. I mean, don't all nails kind of fit everybody's hands, but... Maybe that's just, like, my opinion. Maybe I'm not, like, the nail expert, so I should probably not even speak on that. Anywho, all the nails I've gotten have been great from this place, so 10 out of 10. Now let's go to... Oh, I didn't even say the design. So for the nails, so it's like, you know, that almond shape. You know what I'm talking about? It's like a, a circle. It essentially looks like an almond. That's kind of why they're called, like, the almond shaped. So imagine the shape of an almond, right? At the top, I got, like, almost a crescent and then another crescent. I'm really terrible at explaining this design, but it's, like, at the tips, like, almost, like, the white of your nails. It's, like, let's, okay, let's pretend it's a rainbow at the top of your nail and then below it, another rainbow, but they connect and they almost look like a boomerang on your nail. Okay, that is literally... That's literally the best I can describe it. I really can't describe it any better than that. I got royal blue as the color because my dress is royal blue um, with a slit in it and it's sparkly. So I don't normally would, I wouldn't normally go for that style, but you know, YOLO, you only live once, right? So I did that. Um, and so, yeah, so that's why I got the blue nails prom plans. First off, now that we got the most important part, the nails and the pedicure. Let's talk about the date. So I asked this guy from a different school, and he's super nice. We're going together as friends, uh, and yeah, that's that's pretty much it. And so, like, what he's gonna wear? He's gonna go black, like everything black with a blue bow tie with suspenders. So that'll kind of be his look with my look and all of silver heels. Accent gonna be the silver. And so for my hair. Here's what I'm thinking right now. First off, I wanted a high ponytail. Now I'm going to go like a mid ponytail with like a braid in it. Now, I don't know. And then now my mom likes the hair down kind of look. So I guess I'll have whatever hairstyle I end up with at prom. Like I like right now, it's literally like the night before. Yeah, I guess I'm just going to wait to see what my hair turns out to be. So I can't really give you an answer right now. So we shall see on the time I walk down the Grand March. Now, my heels, like I said, are silver. I'm wearing the same heels from last year. First off, because you don't really need to necessarily buy new shoes if you already have some that, like, fit your color. And second off, I was too lazy to buy shoes. And third off, shoes are expensive. And fourth off, you have to break them in again. I don't know about you. 
but my ankles hurt so bad. Last prom with these shoes. So now they're already kind of broken in. I know how to walk in them. I didn't fall. Well, I almost did like fall a few times with those shoes, but now I'm an expert. I haven't tried them on in like a year, but like my feet don't grow, so I'm going to be fine. So that's besides the point. I really didn't need to look for new shoes, which was nice. So they better still work. I probably should have tried them on before prom, but like, eh, whatever. That's a problem for another time. I'm pretty sure they should still work. And then, now, I'm just doing, like, earrings and doing, like, a simple makeup. And then I think that's kind of my look. So, what the prom plan is, I have a hair and a makeup appointment starting at 10.30. And then I'll, they're at the same place, so it would just be, like, hair done, makeup done, go back back to my house, eat. My date is picking me up at two o'clock and we're going to head to an airplane hangar to take photos. First off, it's good because inside, second off, not many people do like an airplane hangar. So that that's like cool. And then after that, we might go inside like the cap, uh, like a Capitol building to take photos. And then if not, then we're going to hit a restaurant called Peacock Alley and eat there. We have a reservation, so hopefully it should be good. And then we're hitting up the Grand March, and then the dance, and then the after party, and then I'm probably going to be hitting the hay, because I will be exhausted. Yeah, I can already feel the exhaustion coming on, but hey, it is grind time. We're getting down to the end of it. We will stay awake, and we will have a good time at prom, and then we will take many naps on Sunday. But the thing for Sunday is my family's coming to town and we're having like a brunch at like 11:30 to like celebrate like for my brothers, for one of my brothers. And so here's the fact of that. It's great that my family's coming, but first off, 11:30 brunch. So that's a normal time, right? First off, on any given weekend, I do not wake up until noon. Now I know. I know. It's it's bad. It's bad. But first off, just on a regular weekend, I wouldn't even be up at 11.30. Second off, much less prom, where I'm going to be out late. That means I should be sleeping until at least midday, right? At least midday. I should not be waking up before midday. But here we are. I will probably have to wake up at the crack of dawn at the latest at 11 so I can get that 11.30 brunch with my family. But it'll all be good because I get to treat myself to a nice breakfast with my family. And then I will sleep the rest of the night until Monday. Yes, I will probably be asleep in the afternoon. So that's kind of how my weekend looks like. So I know that was a lot of updating right here for the beginning. But now we're gonna kind of boot our way into the main part of this episode which is adoption. So, to start off, like I said, I I am adopted. I'm adopted from China. I believe I was adopted from the Nanjing province, I believe. I would have to double check with that, but I'm pretty sure it's the Nanjing province. So, I was adopted there at 11 months old. So, I was still pretty young. I guess I don't really know exactly what the average age is for children to get adopted, but I do know it's it's mainly younger. And so how I was, if you were say, put up for adoption is, okay, now we're like totally switching into more of like the fun kind of part into maybe more of a subtle tone, but this will be good. So, how I was kind of placed up for adoption is my birth mother, I think it was her, or it was somebody that knew my birth mother, somebody, I was placed on the orphanage doorstep in a little basket, and I had a necklace around my neck, which signified that I was year of the monkey. So, what that means is, in China... Every single year, they have this Chinese calendar. And you could be like, year of the rat, year of the goat, year of the 
monkey, year of the tiger, you know, all these animals to signify these different years. So this necklace showed that I was year of the monkey. I was born in 2004, which anybody born in 2004, you are year of the monkey, the best year, let's go. So that signified that I was born in 2004, year of the monkey. So I was in a basket with that necklace, and then I had the day of my birth on it, which is April 10th, 2004. And then I'm not exactly sure what else I had, but all I know is that within the basket was me and this necklace and something saying my birthday. There might have been a few more things, but that's kind of the overall gist. So I think that I was definitely fortunate enough to be placed on the doorsteps of the orphanage because, you know, you hear other people's stories and they were not left, you know, sitting at the doorstep of the adoption place of the orphanage. You know, they were many different stories, which I'll have to bring some other people on so they can share their stories. But right now, I'm sharing my story and kind of my perspective. And I think that I think that was very nice of my birth mother to place me on the steps of, of the orphanage so so that I was found right away. So that I was found right away. And that what I believe is that she really wanted, obviously wanted me to be found. So that's why she placed me on the doorsteps of the orphanage so that I would, so that I would be found and I would get a chance at a life she maybe couldn't offer me. And that is something that I am extremely grateful for. And that's what I hold in my heart to this day as as her intent. And so that's kind of how I was put up for adoption. And then, you know, once you're in the orphanage, I think they kind of, they display your photo, put you up for adoption, essentially, like on their website, kind of get the word out like, okay, we have this child who needs a home for anybody kind of looking to adopt. And so, and now let's move on from that to kind of how I got adopted. So I'm not going to share how my parents decide to adopt. That will be coming later, I hope. But this is kind of the adoption that I kind of experienced. So I want to kind of preface this. So when I say my parents, that to you is my adopted parents. When I say my biological parents or my biological mom or my biological dad, that is the people who who made me, essentially. So that is kind of what I mean. When I say my parents, I'm talking about my adopted parents. Parents. The parents that I've lived for pretty much with my whole life. My biological parents are the parents that brought me into this world, if you will. So just to get that out of the way, because I know it can be confusing. So I want to kind of clear up that confusion with what I kind of call everything, because I'm going to be referencing that. So just want to let you know that that is what I mean. Okay, so now that we got that cleared up, at 11 months old, I was adopted by the wonderful parents that I have have now. And I'm extremely grateful, but I do want to say this one thing. When I talk to people about my adoption and I talk to them about, you know, that I was just adopted, I feel like there becomes a doll in the room. Just like how I said last episode with mental health, there's a doll in the room. I think there can and there is a doll in the room whenever you mention adoption or you bring up like, oh yeah, I was adopted. You may not think it's weird at all, but to other people, it may be foreign to them. They may be like, oh my gosh, I like didn't know you were adopted or I've never met somebody who was adopted or like, they're just very curious. And so I think this is why this is a great topic to have because literally all the people, well, I do know some people that were adopted, but for the majority of my life, I I live around people that have have never been adopted, people that you know, were born from their biological parents and stayed with their biological parents. So I've always kind of seen that family dynamic around me. And so it's interesting telling people that I'm adopted because you kind of, you kind of never know what response you're going to get. You know, sometimes it's like, oh my gosh, like, like I said, like, oh, that's so cool. Or, oh, I've never like met anybody adopted. Or it's just like, 
oh, I'm sorry. That reaction right there, it kind of gets me a little bit because you're like, oh yeah, I'm adopted or whatever. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry or something. And then they tread lightly. But don't get me wrong. I think every person that was adopted has a very different view on their adoption. But for me, whenever they say sorry, I'm like, I'm like, oh no, like adoption's great. Like, you know, adoption's great. Like I'm so grateful to be adopted and I'm proud to be adopted. You know, so it's like, don't apologize. Like, this is, this is great. And so just kind of letting people know now, like, adoption is great. Like, you don't have to have maybe let there be a doll in the conversation or think differently of the person. Like, oh my gosh, you're adopted. It's like, yes, we were adopted. We're still humans. We're still human beings. Nothing's really changed except, you know, I was adopted. My biological parents for some reason, put me up for adoption or didn't have the means to raise and keep me. So that's literally the only difference. But yes, sometimes it is very foreign to people. So that's why we need to, I need to, as someone who's adopted, to tell people and let people know that adoption is wonderful, adoption is great. And as someone who's adopted, speaking to someone to another person who's adopted, there is no shame in being adopted. Like I said, it's great. Do not feel ashamed of it or anything. Be proud that you're adopted because that is so cool. I just, I just think that's so cool about the story of how we got to one place to another. Just like anyone, how did you get from where you were as like an infant, a helpless infant, to where you are today? What What happened that got you to where you are today? Well, your decisions and your choices. Every single decision and every single choice you make got you to where you are today. So I just think that's so interesting of how the adoption story kind of plays in to where I am today and to what I do with my life. So, yeah. No, I kind of got off on a tangent there. Oh, and the point that I was going to make with the tangent is, yeah, when I tell people that I am adopted, sometimes you get, oh, oh my gosh, like, that must be the best thing you've that's ever happened to you. That must be, you know, so amazing. Like, you must be so grateful to your parents. You must just be so grateful in, in their debt. Now, I don't know about you. First off, to my parents, I am very grateful that I'm adopted. But no, I am not in my parents' debt, and I do not owe my parents a single thing. Now, maybe you think, oh, that sounds harsh. But here's what I have to say for this. First off, just like anyone, we did not choose to be born. Second off, I did not choose to be put up for adoption. Third off, I did not choose to be adopted. So, why would I owe my parents anything? Yes, for raising me and bringing me into their family, you know. Yes, I can see that. But my parents were always very good about letting me know and telling other people if they say like, oh, they they must be so lucky to have you and they must be so grateful to you. But what they say and what I really think it's, it's something that people should know is that they they respond by saying, oh, like, we are the lucky ones. Like, we are the ones who are lucky. We're, we're not just helping, you know, these orphans. We are the lucky ones. They came into our life, and they came and built our family, and they came into our life. So we are extremely grateful to them, and they are, like, our adopted kids are, like, the best thing that's ever happened to us. Now, I don't know about you. But that that's that's a tough one to swallow. That is something that people should have the mentality of. It shouldn't be something like, oh, I adopted you. You are forever in my debt. Like, that is messed up. No. Like, we didn't choose to be adopted. You don't have to adopt. You know, I mean, it's great to adopt, but you don't have to. And you should never put, as a parent, you should never put the that burden on your child of, oh, we adopted you, so... You are in our debt. No. No, no, no. Never, ever, ever. So that's something I want to say. So now let's say you are talking to somebody who says they were, they're adopted. First off, I know a lot of people might not know, but 
you probably shouldn't lead with, oh my gosh, you must be so, so grateful to them, or you must be in their debt. First off, like I said, no. Second off, no. Third off, no. Now, now that we got that up, I want to also say that I, I love telling people I'm adopted. It's great. And what I am also very grateful for is that I can say like that I was adopted and it's it's something that is very unique to me, something that makes me stand out. And it's also very nice for college applications and for scholarships because right now, like I said, I am attending college in the future. And so I got to do scholarships because got to get that money for college, you know. And so for scholarships... I've gotten some, you know, I don't know if they were because I was adopted, or maybe I'm just have excellent penmanship. But also you pull out the heartstrings a little bit by saying adoption and all that stuff. So it is a good kind of trick in the back pocket, if you will. Now, also with adoption, right, you also don't really know where people are at with their adoption as well. Because I would say I have a very healthy relationship with my adoption story, with my family, with people that I care about regarding adoption. I just feel like I have a very healthy relationship with my adoption in general. And that is something that I am very grateful for because I know people that maybe don't have a very good relationship with their adoption and kind of with how they ended up where they are. It pains me to see, but you never really know, so that's why you should be a little more cautious. But that but that does not mean that you should not talk to people about it. You should not ask questions. Because one of my favorite things is when people ask me questions. Like, I just think that's awesome. Because that means you're interested and you want to know. And I would be glad to have a whole conversation on adoption, just kind of like how I am now. So I just think that's so cool. But I've said that many times, so hopefully you kind of get the gist that I literally love talking about adoption. So I just hope you, I just hope you guys kind of get that now. But you don't really know exactly how people feel about their adoption and their relationship. So that's why you just want to be more cautious. But like I said, do not shy away from the questions. Do not be afraid to maybe say something wrong. You know... If you feel like maybe you're going to say something wrong, just say, like, I don't mean to be insensitive or anything, but I was just curious, you know, definitely be curious, ask questions, but if you may be hesitant to, just be like, hey, like, I'm really curious, I don't mean to offend at all, but I was just wondering, and whatever your question is, I mean, to me, if someone said that, I'd be like, oh, definitely, well, even if they didn't like phrase it like that, I'm a very open book and I would love to answer any of those questions. So, but like I said, different with everybody. Now, going kind of back to my adoption story, I know I'm really getting off on tangents though. So, maybe I should have more of a direction, but we're just going to roll with it. So, now you may be thinking, what is it like in an orphanage? So for me, like I said, adopted at 11 months. I don't know about you, but I didn't, I, I barely remember what I did last week, much less my life at uh, like 0 to 11 months old. Heck no. Pfft, out of my mind. Gone. Do not know. But my parents were very good at telling me kind of what it was like, showing me pictures. We have a whole box of little mementos. And so they've told me that when they got me, I had a very, very circle head. I was all red because I was very sunburned. And I I was I was very wet. Um very wet in the sense that I had not had my diaper changed in a very long time. So half of my body weight was my urine. Now, that may be gross, and yes it is, but in, in the orphanage, or how I understand it, the kids, we were left outside in the sun, in the heat, in baskets of hay. 
Now, the hay was to, you know, give maybe some comfort, but also to help absorb any urine or excess one may have. So, with being out in the sun, like I said, I was burnt, I was red, I was like red as a tomato, and I was wet. So, that already there gives you a little glimpse of how my orphanage life was. But it's nobody's fault. I mean, it's nobody's fault. That's that's the best they could do. And if that's the best they can do, I am grateful for it. I am grateful for it. You know, everyone just got to do the best they can do, honestly. I was doing the best I could do, you know, whatever it may be. So that was kind of my conditions. But otherwise, I, I really do not know exactly kind of my adoption living situation. So that I cannot tell you, but I do know that kind of snippet. And so hopefully you can kind of infer and make educated guesses on that as to what my living conditions were, but it probably doesn't even concern you that much. So yeah, like right now, I feel like I'm switching from different topics, but it's just there's so much that I can talk about adoption, like so many different topics, so much different stuff. So this is going to cut this is already has no kind of scattered around whatever kind of pops in my head but i'll have i'll definitely make more specific kind of video i mean not videos more specific episodes on different sectors but otherwise this is just like the main basic adoption episode now one of the things also that i think is somewhat i well i think it's fun and interesting what people do is like you know if you adopt you see who your child is going to give their first kiss to. I think that's super cute. So, can you guess who I gave my first kiss to? Well, it was my sister. It was either between, well, at the time, it was probably either between my mom, dad, or sister. But I did give my first kiss to my sister. So, little fun fact, shout out sister. I don't know if I want to put your name, but I'm pretty sure literally everybody knows your name. So, yeah. But I did give her my first kiss, so yeah, a little fun fact. So I think that's kind of cool. I mean, this may be with just any, like, child, but I thought that was cool. Maybe maybe it's just, like, a common thing, and I'm just, like, the one figuring out it's cool, but I just think it's cool. Another thing that I also think is cool, like, literally everything's cool, but, okay, I need to stop saying cool so much. But something that I that is very interesting, so what some people do is they keep their child's Chinese name. So in my case, my Chinese name was Yue Yusa. So my last name being Yue, my first name being Yusa. So like capital Y, lowercase U, dash, capital S, lowercase A. Yusa. And so my last name, that's like not my last name, like biologically or whatever that means, family tree and whatnot. That was the last name of, I'm pretty sure, everybody in the orphanage. And then they kind of go through, like, the wife, like, you saw, and just kind of, like, going alphabetically. I don't know if that makes sense, but I don't really know any of the other names of people's Chinese names. I, I forgot right now, but I know I'm pretty sure everyone had the same last name as Yue. So, yeah, another little fun fact. So, I kept my middle name as Yusa. So I also think that's something very cool. So my full name is Estella Yusa Coglin. So instead of the American name, you put the Chinese name. So I think that's a very little cool factor for me. So it's my initials are EYC. Best initials out there. Nobody can tell me different, but I'm biased. Oh, uh, so yeah, it's all very, just the adoption thing is all very different with every single family, with every single kid with every single it's like everything's you know different depending on the situation but yeah and then when it comes to the adoption process like i said i do not know that because i've never adopted anybody i've just been adopted so that would be a question for my parents more specifically my mom she is kind of the mastermind behind the whole adoption process yeah and she's done it. Well, she's done it four times, so she's pretty much a black belt, if you will, in adoption. Now, with adoption, one may ask the family dynamic, stuff like that. 
First off, there are many things people could ask about adoption. Like, you could talk for hours on this of people's questions, but I'm not into the questions yet. But I am into, let's say, a family dynamic between, like, immediate family. So, I have seven people in my family, and maybe do you think, does the biological child maybe get treated differently than the adopted children? You know, I mean, that that's a valid question. That is a really valid question. But Or, like, do you feel like an outsider in your family? These are very valid questions. But in my case, I do not feel like an outsider in my family. First off, because my parents are very including. We're not separated by barriers other than the biological barriers. But that doesn't make you or anybody less of a family. Blood does not define family. Period. Blood does not define family. Period. That is all I gotta say. That's all I gotta say for that. And still like some more with the adoption. I guess there are really just like a lot of things I could touch on and I could talk about, but I'm not really sure like how how much because I really do feel like this is a little scattered around, but I think I'm touching on like a lot of things that are very like helpful to people and that really get the basis of adoption and my kind of adoption story but you know questions may be popping up just ask them whenever like on the instagram i will definitely answer any questions but now i think we can get into questions i recently asked on the instagram to write down some questions now i will be answering them and to first off Like I said on the Instagram, and like I said on here, all of these questions are anonymous. There's no judgment for any of these questions. And these are all really great questions. So hit me up with the questions. If you have any questions at all, let me know. I'll work them into a topic. So by all means, I love answering questions. So to start off, the first question, where were you adopted from? Like I said, I was adopted from China at 11 months old from the Nanjing province. Next one, are all your siblings adopted? So my oldest sister, there are only two girls, two girl children, if you will, in the family. Our oldest sister is our parents' biological daughter. The rest of us, me and my three younger brothers, we were all adopted. Like I said, I'm from China, one's from Guatemala, one's from Taiwan, and the other is from China. Now, the next question said, is your brother that is also from China your biological brother? And that, I will say, he is not. He is not my biological brother, first off, because, I mean, he could have been, like, maybe. But we also do, like, those DNA tests, like the 23andMe and, uh, like, Ancestry.com. So all you have to do is just, like, do a spit test. There's a lot of different tests that you can see, like genetics, you can see your background, family history, medical history, all that stuff. And it is like extremely fascinating. So I recommend doing that, you know, even if you're not adopted, it's very interesting to see and to learn. So me and my brother that was adopted from China, we both have done the test. And so it would have told us like, you know, if we did kind of have the same genes and stuff. But as far as I know, no, we are not. So the next question is domestic versus international adoption. So what I think this question is asking is kind of what the difference is, I think. I think that's what it is. If not, I don't know. Feel free to ask another one. I honestly had to look this up, but I did guess. I did make a hypothesis. First off, I did make a hypothesis and I was correct when I googled. So domestic is adoption within the United States. Well, I live in the United States. I was not born in the United States, but I am a U.S. citizen. Anyway, so domestic adoption is adoption within the United States. So that's like adopting from places in the United States. And international adoption is kind of what it sounds like, adoption internationally. So I was adopted internationally from China, brought to the United States. So I went through an international adoption. First off, adoption is very expensive and it is very hard. So international adoption, do not quote me on this, but I do think it is harder, I believe. I do think international adoption is harder than domestic adoption, but I'm not I'm not positive. I think it just really all depends as well. So 
do not quote me on that, but also domestic adoption. One of the things I will say is domestic adoption, the child is more likely to know slash get to know their biological parents or at least their biological mother. Because, like, in the United States, I think you do have to, like, say, like, who you are, but it can be, like, sealed away, like, who the biological mother or parents are. So that maybe if the kid wants to know, they do know who it is versus international adoption. Literally, some people are just left on the side of the road, on the sidewalk. There's no way to trace the biological parents, much less the biological mom, you know, You barely even know, like, anything about the kid either. So you have a very, very slim chance of finding your biological parents. And so I think I kind of touched on whatever I think that question was saying. So to the next question, what would you change in the adoption process to make it quicker or easier? So love the question. But I do think that is more of a question for my parents, more specifically, like I said, my mom. But I'm going to answer it in this way. Let's say, with what I know now, if I did adopt, how would I make it quicker or easier? Well, first off, I would utilize my resource of my mother. Essentially, like I said, is a black belt in adoption. She does have the knowledge, and I would be asking her for all the help. So at first I would utilize my mother, but I guess I do have an advantage with that. For me, I would also make it quicker by, I know this one's kind of hard, but putting some money aside to hopefully be able to adopt because like I said, adoption is a lot of money. And so I know this might not be ideal or you may not be thinking about this at a young age, but now that I'm 18 and you know, you kind of think about your life or maybe it's just me putting money aside for future children if you do want to adopt. But I think that could definitely make it easier and quicker because then let's say once you're like 30 or something, you're like, oh, we need to start kind of thinking about this and and finding ways to pretty much like afford to adopt. So that would make it easier and quicker, I guess, if you have the funds. But that is definitely not something that's necessary. You know, I guess you can't... I. You know, I'm speaking from my experience. My mom would be the expert at this. But to change the adoption process to make it quicker, that just, you know... So for the adoption process, let's just say it here. You have to, like, submit an application. You have to get a home review. You have to, like, go to classes, learn how, like, parenting classes. You have to get checkup. You know, I know my parents and my sister had to get, like, shots to be able to go over to China to even you know, bring me back. You know, there's so much you have to do. And so to make it faster, I guess, would be to get your requirements done earlier, you know, but it's really hard to tell. And depending on the agency, depending on if they have, you know, a child ready to be adopted. So it really just all depends. But like I said, That is a question for my mom. So the next question is, what is something unique about your adoption story? So for me, I would just say my adoption story in general is unique. Yeah, I'm surrounded by people who are not adopted. So to pretty much everybody, I think my adoption story in general is unique. But now comparing to other people's adoption stories... What makes mine unique? I would just say, I honestly don't know. Because like I said, I just think my whole adoption story is unique. And I think what's unique about it is my story. I also think that the courage that my biological mom specifically had to put me up for adoption was unique and was extremely courageous. So that's what I'll say for that question. Um, so the next one says... How does it feel to be adopted? Well, right now, I mean, I I was adopted. Right now, I, I'm feeling pretty good. Thanks for asking. You know, you know, as someone who's adopted, I experience emotions just like anybody else. So, as a human being speaking, I'm feeling good. I experience human emotions. But maybe this one, let's say this question is targeting, how do you feel about 
being adopted. Well, I feel great about being adopted. I love being adopted. I really couldn't imagine it any other way. And because imagining it any other way, thus dwelling on the past, dwelling on what could be versus what is and reality, which is something that can sometimes get dangerous. So I try to look forward. Yes, of course, I have thought about maybe what it would be like to be with my biological family. But like I said, that is a what if, and that is looking back on alternate realities. I need to be where my feet are. I need to be where I am right now and live in the present moment. So yeah, but otherwise I feel great towards my adoption. I love being adopted. It's awesome, wonderful. Um, At this very moment, I'm feeling good. So I appreciate the question. And yeah, thanks for asking how I'm doing because I'm doing good. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I got that good English grammar. Let's go. Next question. (laughs) What is the most eye-opening part of adoption for you? Hmm. The most eye-opening part. Well, I just think adoption in general is eye-opening. But I also think the most eye-opening part is experiencing people's reaction to adoption and understanding that people may treat you differently people may have different views people just like oh like have different attitudes towards adoption but but now that i also think about it like this one i really do not have a single answer the most eye-opening part of my adoption i think is learning yeah that's what i'll say for this one i think it's learning about the adoption and it's learning about how people react it's also learning about Um, adoption for the future just I just think the learning of it and like using like having adoption be like a very core my foundation uh, if you would say but I think it's just the truth you uncover the attitudes you get towards adoption I feel like that's so eye-opening it's like a whole new world it's like people people that you know your whole life have never experienced experience what you get to experience and that's eye-opening because they think of you as like oh my gosh you have this cool experience that I've never experienced and none of the people around me have experienced but you have I'm like that's crazy you know so I just think that's like eye-opening it's like oh my gosh like I have this knowledge I have this experience that I've had in life that nobody's had it's just like I really don't know but take whatever I just said within that question and inference it I guess I, I don't know how to answer that question. Yeah, I'm stumped. But take whatever answer you got from whatever kind of commentary I provided for the question. So next. The next question says, What is something that you as an adopted person want to tell non-adopted people? Well, first off, there are a lot of things I would like to tell non-adopted people. And some of which I have the privilege of having told people. And now a lot of the stuff why I wanted to make a podcast is to tell pretty much non-adopted people, people looking to adopt people who were adopted, people, just people about adoption. So, like, this one's also hard, too. I want to tell a lot of people. I want to tell everybody who was adopted. I would want to tell them many things. But let's see, if I can narrow it down. Just... Just people who were not adopted in general. What do I want to tell them? I want to tell them that adoption is great. I want to tell them that adoption sparks from an immense amount of love that your biological, more specifically, mother had for her child. It is out an immense amount of love that she had the courage and she chose what she knew was best for you as her child. And so I would tell non-adopted people that the adoption happened out of of love, out of love for you as the child. And why would I say that? Why Why would I lead with that? First off, to get rid of all the confusion of attitudes. First off, the attitude towards my adoption. Second off, the attitude towards adoption in general. Third off, so people could really... In that one sentence, grasp the, the beauty of adoption. Oh, it's it's incredible and it is fascinating. So I think that is something that I would lead with. Even though it's bold, even though it, 
you get right down into it, I think that is a great way to lead because it tells you a lot about the person. Another thing I would tell non-adopted people is to open your hearts and minds up to adoption. Are you being called to adopt? Have you been interested to learn more about it? You know, because it is it is so fascinating. It's so cool. Even if I wasn't adopted, I would still think it's so cool. So I would just say adoption sparks out of an immense amount of love your biological mom had for her child. Now, why I say biological mom is, well, because mom, they give birth to their children. I'm pretty sure everyone kind of knows that evolution. So that is why I say biological mom and not like parents, dad, whatnot. So that's why I say mainly biological mom. So the next question is, do you know your birth parents? And if you don't, do you want to know? And why? Now, this one, I will say, is a good question. This is a very great question. First off, do I know my birth parents? I do not. Second off, if you don't know who they are, do you want to? And why? I think I would want to know who my birth parents are. And why? I would want to know their reasoning. I would want to know who they are. I would want to know how they live. I'd want to know so much. But the main thing I'd want to know is who they are at their core. Just like with anybody I want to know. I want to know who you truly are as a person. But like more specifically with like the biological parents, I'd want to know, you know, why I I was put up for adoption. Why was I more specifically left on a doorstep? Just like how their life was. What do they struggle with? What are their fears? I would just want to know everything about them. But now that's where I can't get my hopes up too high. Because before, there is a very, very good chance I will never meet them in in my life. I will never meet them in my life. And that for some people can be very hard. Especially because I surround myself every day. I live in a place every day where, you know, everyone that I know knows their biological parents and usually lives with them. You know, so that can be hard, but I've come to terms with that. But yes, I would want to know who my biological parents are. But it also could be the fact because I know in this present moment that it is a very low chance that I will get to meet them. I probably will never meet them in my life. So maybe that's kind of why I would want to meet them. But without that being said, I would want to meet them. For sure. More specifically, my birth mom. I'd want to see what she's like. That would just be so cool. So, yeah. Next question. Do you plan to adopt in the future? And if so, where? This is interesting as well. First off, yes, I would love to adopt in the future. First off, I don't know. Yes, childbirth, beautiful. Second off, childbirth, hard. Third off, childbirth, painful. Fourth off, I am a woman, so that means I would be going through the childbirth. Like, yes, beautiful, but yes, painful. But I also do have a deep love for adoption, like I said. So I definitely would want to adopt. I think that'd be that'd be awesome. So I definitely do want to adopt. And like I said, I have an advantage being my mom, knowing what it's like, the adoption process. And I'd also know what it's like to be adopted so I can relate to my child in that way. So yeah, and I would want to adopt. I think I'd want to bring it back to China. Yep, I think I'd want to adopt from China. I mean, I'm not opposed to anywhere, though, but I think right now I'm biased to China because, like, you know, right now China's, like, yep, China. But I'm not opposed to anywhere. I would adopt from anywhere, really, but yeah, so I I definitely would think I'd love to adopt. And what's also interesting about this question is when talking to other people who are adopted, most people's answer of, oh, would you like to adopt, is often yes. And I find that very interesting. Most people who were adopted say, I mean, well, this is 
statistics and data through my observations and what I've kind of concluded. So this may not be like a real thing, but in my experience, people who were adopted, they also want to adopt. And I think that's so cool. And also my friends, people around me, they've said that they would consider adoption and, you know, they might even adopt one day. So I just think that's so cool, surrounding yourself with adoption and educating people on it. Like, how many people that can help as well? There are so many people, so many children that need homes, that need families. And, you know, you can help if that's what you're called. If you're called to have children, much less adopt, you know, that's awesome. So yes, I do hope to adopt in the future, and I would want to bring it back to the hometown, to the home country of China. But I'm not opposed to anywhere. So the next question is, what would you tell people looking to adopt? I would tell people to, like, this is kind of like, what advice do I have for people who want to adopt? Well, I would say, if you want to adopt, I would ask you to answer this question. I would ask you to answer the question on whether you believe you are called to adopt. And I would also say whether you believe that right now, where you are, your financial standing, your relationship status, your confidence, your relationships, do they have room for you to adopt? And do you have the means? Do you have the space? Do you have the mental capacity and do you have the strength to adopt? Now, those may be loaded loaded questions and heavy questions, but adoption is no easy thing and adoption takes certain types of people to take up challenge, to take a beautiful challenge and adopt. So I would ask, do you think you can do it and do you think you are called to do it and do you think that you can? Because the last thing anybody wants, though, is for you to go through adoption and and maybe not be ready or in the spot in your life where you are ready. So, but now those questions are not to scare you. It's just to really give yourself a reality check. Like, okay, what are my intentions for adopting? What are my intentions? Am I able to do it? Do I have the means? So on and so forth. And so I want to end this episode off by saying within like the last year, I got very curious in my adoption and I really dug more and wanted to learn more of my adoption. And that's where I, I reached out to my adoption group. I joined a Zoom call of Chinese adoptees. I watched an incredible informative movie documentary on Netflix called Found. Everybody should go watch that right now. It is so an incredible documentary. It's incredible. So everyone should go and watch that. And I had a Zoom call group discussion with other random people who were adopted from China. And it was one of the best things that I had ever done in my entire life. And then I got the opportunity to speak at a conference to parents who were looking to adopt and for a couple's retreat. And that was one of the coolest things that I have ever gotten to do in my life. And so through this has opened me many doors, many pieces of knowledge. And I'm really just grateful that this was a time in my life that I was able, mature enough, that I was ready to go seeking for knowledge and for answers. And yeah, so I wanted to end it with that to say that I'm extremely passionate about this. I hope you could see the passion, not see, I hope you could hear the passion through the microphone. So yeah. And with that being said, I appreciate you guys for listening to the end. If you got it to the end thus far, it would mean the world. If you could follow the Instagram at the Nest Podcast with Estella, if you could follow, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your, wherever you're listening to this podcast now, if you could rate it on Spotify, if you could comment, it would be most generous if you could give it five stars. If not, you can also just leave it blank if you don't like this. So, 
Yes. So with that being said, thank you for listening. Until next time.